Helmets and Heels, <laughs> built by DreamFinders Homes, Yippee. is presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products on 1010XL. Now your hosts, Donna Murphy, Lauren Brooks, Hi. Amanda Borges, and Blythe Brumley. The ladies are reunited again tonight. Feels like it's been so long. It was a long day for me because I wasn't out on the golf course all day. I was only out on the golf course for the part of the morning. UNF was the women's golf team was playing at Marshland and Country Club. Ooh. Have either of y'all been there? No. I used to work there. Okay, so you get girl. it. Yeah, so you get it, Amanda. Oh my word. Slimmer and Squire is is absolutely stunning and it is just absolutely gorgeous as well. But and you saw more of the course even than I did, but the Marshlanding yes. golf course is ridiculous. I mean really? you, you feel like you're Beautiful. in an ecological preserve. Wow. And also on a golf course. It's very different than Sawgrass and TPC. Okay. Um, which is interesting because they're literally right across the street from each other. Right. But I think they planned it that way. But it's, it is beautiful. And, uh, women's golf team tied for third, which was great because nice. when I was out there, they were tied for sixth, which is how they finished Monday. So they did better. I'm going to, I'm going to give credit to myself just for showing up. <laughs> I did not spend any alligators, though. That's what I was on the Two golf for. courses in two days. Look at you. I know, Florida right? Life. I, yeah. Had I, yeah. Had I stayed out there all day, then I would have been, like, oh, even tanner, I guess, than I am now. But, um, all right, so the basketball game last night, before we get too far into other subjects, everyone all day has been talking about the great shot, and producer Tyler can attest to that. It was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But... There's an untold story from the game last night, or at least untold for a lot of people. And Amanda, you read the story earlier today. So tell everyone about Chris Jenkins and kind of what exactly happened from the time he was born until the time he made that shot last night. So they were, they talked a little bit about it on the broadcast, but if you don't know the details, um, Chris Jenkins, his mom and family went through some sort of complications when Chris was in middle school. And at the time, he was playing AAU basketball um, with Britt. What's his first name? What's Nate, Nate yeah. Britt? There we go. Um, with Nate Britt. And so he kind of got close with Nate Britt and his family. And something happened where his mom said, listen, I need you to take care of my son. Well, and, and the sad part of the story to me was that his younger sister yes. was 11 months old at the mm-hmm. time and passed, passed away, away at that age, which right. I'm sure that that had a great deal of oh my effect God. Devastating. On, on Felicia, the mom, Absolutely. Um, Kelvin, the father, and then, of course, on what she decided. But sorry, keep going. Right. So then his parents split up and he was in middle school and Felicia, Chris Jenkins' mom, eventually went to Mrs. Britt and said, hey, will you take care of my son for me? So the Brits adopted Chris Jenkins in middle school. And so Chris Jenkins and Nate Britt grew up as brothers, but not blood brothers. So they play baseball together, sorry, basketball their whole lives, and then they end up going to separate schools. Nate Britt goes to UNC, Chris Jenkins goes to Nova, and here we are in the national championship game. They're playing against each other. And I was reading a couple different articles today, and it was funny to think about Mrs. Britt. So here she has her blood son, her son that she gave birth to, who's playing Biological. UNC. Yeah, why could I not think of that word? 
<laughs> biological son, hello, um, playing for UNC, and then her adoptive son playing for Villanova, and so she was pacing back and forth. She couldn't pick a side to sit on, so she was just walking everywhere and freaking out. Um, but then both mothers kind of joined in, and it was like a whole family celebration at the end. Um, but I just thought about how crazy it was. Like, Felicia, this mother, gives up her son so he can have a better life and better opportunities. And here he is now, you know, scoring the game winner, the buzzer beater, and the national championship game for his team. I just thought it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Well, and, and the other part of the story that I found really interesting is that the mom of Chris Jenkins, Felicia, it's not like she was just like someone who was addicted to drugs or, right. and, I'm, and I'm not stereotyping mothers who give up their kids, but a lot of times it's people with severe issues and yes. they cannot actually right. afford their kids. This was not the case. She was a that basketball coach. And, yeah, but she literally recognized a situation where her son would be in a better position yep. in life and also in basketball. And in the end, it ends up being just completely ironic that of all moments Mm -hmm. that could have happened during that game where he could have been the hero it was at that buzzer beater i mean that that to me is just crazy but so it brings up our twitter poll question um which you can find on at helmets and heels our official twitter account i don't know why i say official as if we have like a fake one um but maybe no blue check mark (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh we're working on the verified (laughs) blue check mark but the twitter question is if you hit a game winner against your sibling in a big game, would you be obnoxious or respectful? So we can each answer this question uh, honestly. Blythe, would you be obnoxious <laughs> or respectful if it's your brother? And it obviously it doesn't have to be basketball. It can be anything. You can be hitting and your brother's pitching or what right, have right. you. Well, it was, it, it was kind of interesting because in that same story that you guys were talking about, these two brothers actually faced off against each other in the first round in 2013. Yeah. And they were so competitive about it that they sat in the same room and would just text each other and not speak with each other. Which right. to me was a little strange, too. Like, if you're going to text, that's talking also like just shut the wall down right, don't right. even communicate if we're going to be competitive be competitive <laughs> but anyway would you be obnoxious I, I, I think i would be obnoxious and i would talk a lot of crap leading up into the game but if i'm in that situation and i hit a game winner against my brother or, or in any kind of c- competitive environment i don't I, I think i would celebrate in that exact moment but then i would feel such a deep sense of remorse for what he's probably going through. And so I probably wouldn't celebrate as much as if it was just a, a just a regular guy. Um, but I probably would poke fun at him probably, you know, at least like a year later or something like that. If he brings up something, then I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I did hit that game winner against you. Um, but it's I don't- tricky, too, because we're comparing we're comparing a brother and sister versus yeah. sister to sister. And in so this case, different. brother to brother, which is very different. Yeah. And boys, I think, are ten. They, they tend to be more competitive, but I just I I just don't think that I could have the heart in me to talk all that. that crap. I mean, yeah, th- th- definitely. I, I I wouldn't want to wish that. No, I mean, I don't behavior. think boys are more competitive. Oh yeah, I mean, in some instances, growing up, especially if you if you know people that have just all boys or you know boys versus a girl or whatever, like the boys are always so much more rambunctious and they're you know they they're always competing with each other in in some form or fashion. Um, but just in that moment, I just don't know that I could rub it in. And, and just be obnoxious about it. Did you guys hear what uh, Chris Jenkins actually said about taunting his brother? I actually have the audio. You want to hear it? Yeah. Sure. I'm not going to say too much to him tonight, but tomorrow I'm going to be right at him. <laughs> that's for sure. And that's exactly <laughs> what you're saying, by is that you're not going to rub it in the moment, right. but the next day. And it, to me, this situation is a little tricky because it's not like 
in volleyball, let's say, like if you slammed it on your brother, that would be the moment that you would taunt him. And in basketball, the streamers came down immediately, which, by the way, whoever gets paid to do that did a phenomenal job because <laughs> it was like it was instantaneous. Instant. And I didn't understand. People like, didn't even know the if coach's reaction. They were their coach. Right. Yeah. Well, and the security guard's reaction and Charles Barkley's reaction, which we'll get to that a little later, but. The whole thing to me, I was like, wait a minute. No one was going to review just to be on the safe side that you got the shot off before the shot clock. Villanova's coach did not celebrate in that moment because he said, he was like, we prepare for moments like this. We practice that shot. So it wasn't a big deal to me in that moment. He's like, and I'm always thinking about the next play. So he actually went to the ref and said, is it over? And the ref (laughs) said, well, we think it is. (laughs) We think so. Okay, so let's say that it wasn't over. The streamers person gets fired on the spot. I'm sorry, that was too soon. Amanda, what do you think? At least they pressed the right button for the right colors, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yikes. It's oh, like the ETN victory. you got to be really fast <laughs> right. with pressing Super play quick. on the right song. All right, Amanda, what about you? So I'm trying to have the mindset of me having a sister thinking right. about this because it's right. so hard. Me and my brother are five years apart. He's younger than me. So it was always competitive because he's the baby and like baby, baby. So I'm trying to think if it were my sister, I would probably be respectful because realistically my sister would be more athletic than me because I'm not very athletic. (laughs) So she would be the one that makes the game winning shot and I would be the one crying in the corner. But I think I would suck it up and go congratulate her, but I'd still be kind of pissed. But if roles were reversed, I don't know. I feel like I kind of have a right to be like, did you see what I just did? I know you're my sister and I just beat you in the national championship, but I just made that shot. I feel like I would have the right to do that. I think... It's it's such a difficult situation because you're not going to be in the face of the person when we think of this particular right. one. But let's you know take it. I took volleyball for example. Let's take it in football. Let's say that you're the receiver and your sibling is the you know defensive back. I think your natural instinct is going to go into at least mine would go into I won, not I beat my sibling. So I think oh, I would absolutely. be far more in the obnoxious sense. At least I wouldn't feel like I'm being obnoxious, but. I'm certainly an obnoxious fan, so that would lead me to think I'm going to be an obnoxious, victorious person, and I'm sure that my sibling would think that's obnoxious. I love to win. I hate to lose, so I'm going to have to put myself in the obnoxious category, and you know what? Deal with it. You lost. Deal with it. (laughs) It's all over from there. Ruthless. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. All right. uh, That is our Twitter poll. You can go on the at Helmets and Heels and answer From your perspective, we're going to get into some studs and duds coming up next. We also have a special guest coming up later this hour, as well as Dr. Kaplan joining us in the second hour. And, of course, lots of hot topics to get to, including some discussion of the Masters. You are listening to Helmets and Heels, built by DreamFinders Homes on 1010 2.5 FM. Jaguars football by women, for women, and men. Helmets and heels, built by DreamFinders Homes. Presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products. On 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Blythe, Amanda, Lauren. Missing D-Murph tonight, she has the night off. But don't worry, we have another Donna coming to join us in just a little bit. Donna Orander, former president of the WNBA and founder of Generation W and Blythe. You'll be able to share a lot with us about that in the coming weeks. It takes place very soon. This Friday. This Friday, yes. All day conference. Yep, at UNF. Um, And uh, lots of powerful speakers and a lot of really 
good informational material and inspirational material as well. So we will talk to her next segment. But first, we got to get to some studs and duds. I know that you ladies spend all week from the moment we leave this show to when I see you again. I know that you've been thinking about praying about I have dreams about stressing it. about dreaming about your studs and duds. So please lay them on me now. Blythe, we'll start with you. I did have a stud earlier, but I changed them because I found this story about this little girl. Her name is Mila Star Bazoto. She's a nine-year-old from Miami, and she's my stud because she completed an extreme race meant for adults only, and it was designed by a Navy SEAL. She was only allowed to compete in the race if her father raced alongside with her and she dominated the race. She was the only one to even participate under the age of 18 and she dominated and finished the race. Holy cow. Nine years old and she dominated. Although, honestly, if you were to ask me if right now versus my nine-year-old self, who would do better at something like that, I would absolutely say my nine-year-old self. So, I think there is an advantage almost to not having the complacency that comes with adulthood you know you that that child is certainly very fit and ready for that kind of thing but at the same time she hasn't been probably training for no. it nearly like she, a lot of adults have well she in particular trained for this event for months she spent i think about what was it um she's five days a week three hours per day is how long she trained and oh. she did this for months then she's no a, wonder she's she a beast. Kicks, but yeah, yeah she's gonna be She's going to be all over the news in the coming years of different stuff that she'll be able to tackle as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right, Amanda. Love it. Um, my stud is Mrs. Britt, who is the woman who took Chris Jenkins in um, because she didn't have to. She could have easily said, no, this is your kid. You take care of him. You're responsible for him. She already had kids of her own. Um, but she adopted Chris Jenkins and helped him flourish and... Um, kind of made him into the young man that he is today. And he speaks so highly of both of his families, he says. And I just think that's the coolest thing ever because I think about, I'm not a mom, but I hope to be someday. And I feel like I don't know what I would do in that situation if I have my own kids to take care of. And someone comes to me and says, hey, can you take care of my kid too? Like actually formally adopt my kid. I don't know if I'd be able to say yes. I'd like to so think, much. right. I would like to think that I would want to help someone um, and do that for them, but that's huge, huge. I have a really bad joke to make. A oh, bad oh. joke? Yeah. Do you think that Chris Jenkins said to his mom, bye, Felicia? <laughs> oh, hell. I told you it was bad. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. Lauren, Lauren. But, Lauren. I mean, because for people who weren't focused on the first um, segment, that's what his mom's name is. His I real mom's sure. name is Felicia. <laughs> I don't know that he said bye because... She's still in his life. Well, sure. Yeah, that's why it was a bad joke. I know, but I kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move right along away from that joke. I was hoping that neither of y'all picked this, especially you, Amanda, um, or Donna, actually. Um, But since she wasn't going to be here, I was only worried about you, really. The Rebalt Girls basketball team, they yes. are my stud. They are so deserving. Gosh, it's so They cool. won not just the city title, the state title, but also the national title. And the first season-ending national championship came Saturday morning as they crushed Riverdale Baptist 75-49 to in the Dick Sporting Goods High School Nationals 
And of course, Madison Square Garden, because when you're in high school, what's the one MSG? place you want to play? Yeah, How MSG cool is right. Is that? That's yeah. awesome. So, so congrats. super proud of them. Yeah. And just, I can't imagine that feeling. I won only a district title in high school in soccer my freshman year. And the elation that I had from that, I can't imagine transcending that to a national title. So, way to go, we went to, Trojans. Yeah, we went to states my senior year for flag football. Didn't win, but went there, and it was the biggest deal ever to our team. Sure. And looking back, I'm like, who cares? <laughs> but it was awesome. You shouldn't it was feel that way. Oh, my gosh. It was so awesome. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah well, I never went to any championship. That, that's your that's your moment. You know how they always joke um, in songs about, like, the guys reminiscing about their high school football careers. Their glory and, days yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, those are my glory days, for sure. Those are Athletically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Blythe, who is your D-U-D Oh, my dud? gosh. This dead. Ugh. It, I almost <laughs> barfed earlier when I saw this. Uh-oh. Dale Earnhardt. Did you see his choice for favorite sandwiches? Yeah, Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Real? Dale Earnhardt Jr., his favorite sandwich is bananas and mayonnaise. That's disgusting. I, I eat almost that. You would. vomited. I would eat that as long as you served it to me on wheat or rye bread. Is That's he a Titans fan? <laughs> <laughs> he is now. No, he How do you come up with that, though? Is that a disgusting. thing? disgusting. Because everyone in the South puts mayonnaise on everything. I don't. Well, Even bananas? Of, sorry, let me rephrase. A lot of people put mayonnaise on everything. Okay. Like, growing up, my mom, we would go... Bananas? Yeah, we would, it's well... It's fruit. Yeah, but let's say you run out of turkey. Mom looks around <laughs> the cupboard. There's bananas. No, there's no situation no. where that's healthy. ever acceptable. Ever. Tyler agrees with you. However, I could see myself being served that as a little kid and eating it and enjoying Ugh. it and then being like, hey, can you serve that to me next time without the crust on? That's my that's only... Disgusting. That's disgusting. I'm going to vomit, like, right now. Really? I would yeah, it's so gross. That's funny. Of all things, I would totally eat that right Ugh. now in a heartbeat. Blythe's <laughs> <laughs> really going to really go to the bathroom. Out. All right, Amanda, who's your dad? Um... I'm really upset that I'm even giving him airtime, but he's just so dud-worthy. Greg Hardy is Mm -hmm. back in the news because he had an interview with Adam Schefter trying to explain, um, you know, all of the domestic violence things that have been going on with him, which happened a while ago. Um, But, Tyler, you have some audio of that? I've never put my hand on any woman in in my whole entire life. No, sir. That's just not how we raised this. As you can tell, like I said, again, it's the Bible Belt. It's just something that's, I won't even say frowned upon. It's not, it's non-existent in most Southern homes. You say you did nothing wrong, you're innocent, and yet the pictures of her that surfaced would seem to suggest a woman who had had some type of physical contact. How do you explain that? I will stop you there and say that I didn't say I didn't do anything wrong. You know, that situation occurred and that situation was handled. But saying that I did nothing wrong is is a stretch. But saying that I am innocent is correct. Yes, sir. Do you ever put your hands on her? No, sir. Never? No, sir. Does he understand what, what the word innocent mean? means? And does right. he understand what the word... I think he's literally saying he didn't put his hands on her. And I think he may have put his knee on her. He may have put his foot on her. And I think he's going under the disguise of his hands. Right. That's what I think he's saying. Like, his elbow yeah, I or his shoulder leg, I or... head butted her. I like, yeah, elbowed her with a you know slam. That's what I, honestly something like that would make sense to me. Right. But I don't think he understands what the word innocent is. Oh yeah, I didn't say I didn't do anything wrong. 
But then he says he's innocent. But I'm innocent. Is it possible that he's convinced himself that he's done nothing oh, wrong? Yes. He just sort of brainwashed yes. himself. Yeah. Absolutely. It's possible that she could have, like, they could have been fighting, and maybe in his mind she instigated it. So I'm not saying he thinks she deserved it, but maybe there was a point in time where he was like, well, I'm not wrong because she did this. Um, I just, my thing is, hey, Greg Hardy, have you seen a photo of your battered ex-girlfriend? Do you... How did all of that happen then? I, it just blows, it blows my mind. And I honestly, I don't wish bad upon people at all, but I really hope an NFL team does not sign him. He's a free agent now. And yes, he's a great football player, but this is like Ray Rice to me. Like this, it's not the same, but I really, really don't think he deserves another chance to play in the NFL. I think it's a good sign, though, from the Cowboys' perspective, that the, the team that once called him a leader in the locker room, right. the fact that he's that they have a desperate need for a pass rush, and they're not reaching out to him. So mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a good sign that maybe no team will sign him, because I think in this particular instance, he needs to have something that he loves being taken away from him because of his actions, because that's the only way he's going to learn from this kind of behavior. Yeah, and then I will elbow and knee... And body slam him. And not put your hands on him. And But not put my hands on him and, and, and claim that I'm innocent. All right. Uh, we don't have too much time to discuss this whole Landon Donovan situation, but he tweeted out to his one million plus followers that the women's soccer players who are starting this whole campaign in order to try and earn equal pay. They're suing, I think, right? They are. Yeah. U.S. soccer. Um, so he came out and said um, via Twitter that they don't deserve, and I'll read to you exactly what he wrote that the U.S. Women's National Team absolutely deserve to be treated fairly in all ways. Um, important to remember that these issues are slash can be collectively bargained. He, what he's really saying is that he doesn't believe that the women's team deserves equal pay. He said they deserve fair pay because the men's soccer team earns more revenue than the women's soccer team. He's saying okay. that the men earn and deserve more money. However, uh, a certain statistical genius put out, not really genius, but <laughs> someone who studies it, um, put out these figures. From April 2016 to March 2017, the women are projected to generate $17.6 million in revenue and $5.2 million in net profit. The men are projected to, reven- to generate $9.1 million in revenue and post a net loss of $964,000. Wow. I, I will say, I, I'm all for equal pay, and they, they definitely shined a light on, on the fact that they weren't getting compensated for what their recent revenue has described, but they signed a bad CBA, and they signed it years ago, and yeah. they lengthened the contract before they had all of this success. So I think that this should come into play the next time that you sign your CBA. I think this particular instance, I I, I think they're, they just signed a bad deal. When and is that just, contract up? I think it's in two years that contract okay. is up. Well, and, and someone reminded him um, that the men and women are doing the same amount of work and should be paid equally. He eventually followed up and said, can't argue that. So He's my doubt in the sense that he didn't need to come out and say a word. Right. And then he wouldn't have received harsh criticism from, I don't know, billions of women around the planet. But at the same time, the issue itself is an issue that does need to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And whether they do it at the next time they sit down and, and argue over and negotiate over the CBA or whether they decide to do something about it now because things have changed so drastically. And, and it's not just that. It's like the, the, the playing field that we talked about earlier, I think it was last year that we talked about the playing field that they were on. It was completely, it was turf and shards of 
whatever right. material coming out of the grass. So there, there's more to this, I think, than than just the pay aspect, which I think they'll address. They'll address in their next CBA meeting, but. There are other things happening in the world of women's sports and soccer in particular that are, that they need to have that equal footing. Nice choice on that equal footing. Equal footing. <laughs> hey, Landon, have you ever won a World Cup? That's my question. <laughs> not only has he never, he's not going to. Although I do have a friend who named her first son after Landon Donovan. Oh, wow. Landon, yeah, but he ended up, she's dark hair, dark eyes, and her husband's dark hair, dark eyes, and her kid came out blonde hair, blue eyes. Oh. So she's like, didn't exactly expect Landon to look like that, but you know, whatever. All right, we have a special guest joining us in studio in just a few moments. She spent 17 years at the PGA Tour and became the Senior Vice President of Strategic Development in the Office of the Commissioner in 2001. So we will talk to her in addition to all of her time with the WNBA and the Generation Wow, which is coming up this Friday. We're going to talk to Donna Orander next. You're listening to Helmets and Heels, built by DreamFinders Homes on 1010 2.5 FM. Helmets and Heels, built by DreamFinders Homes. Presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products. On 1010XL, 92.5 FM. We are live. It's a Tuesday night. It's Helmets and Heels built by DreamFinders Homes. We've got Blythe, Amanda, Lauren, and we're down a Donna, but we're also plus a Donna. We have a new Donna. We have a new Donna. She is Donna Orinder. Donna, your resume is very lengthy, and and we don't have enough time to go through it. And so we don't have enough time to go through it. But the, let's hit the highlights. President of Senior Vice President of strategic development in the office of the commissioner yes. with the PGA Tour, 17 years of the PGA Tour, Yes. president of the WNBA, yes. and now founder of, and I would say CEO, but it's Gen W's, Generation right. W is not really a, it's more of a not-for-profit thing, right? So it's, it's not more, It CEO. is a not-for-profit yeah, thing. So it's I actually not, have a for-profit company, too. You do? Oh, okay. Orinder Unlimited. I'm, uh, yes. Orinder Unlimited. And, what do you um, not do? <laughs> Um, I don't cook really well. Okay. I'm but, with you there. But my husband's a good cook. Well, so that that's helps. great. <laughs> I'm lucky. And right? the you know what they say so. about relationships. You have to have the yin and the yang. Strength, the yeah, the strengths and the weaknesses. Totally. And he can't play basketball, so that's good for me. And I'm not a great <laughs> golfer, so it actually works out really well. And so wow. I'm going to guess that he's also not much of a talker. Uh, he is a great talker, actually. Really? He is, right? So who's the quiet one? I'm the quiet one. In home. Yeah. Are you kidding? That's how it has to be. Because you spend all day at work talking? Talking. No, no, no. no. We, we're, we're, we're equal partners. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so in the break, we talked about 90 million subjects in that very short time frame. Um, so let's quickly, as the Women's Basketball National Championship is about to begin, let's, uh, let's very quickly get into UConn. And I don't even know. This is really sad. <laughs> UConn, this is their... How many in a row? Second year in a row that they could win? Fourth. This Fourth. is record setting. This yeah. could be this the could be first setting. college. Right. And I know it's UConn's fourth, playing Syracuse. Right? This is their fourth. Oh, I know what it is. I know what so, the, so the year she, number two is in my head because you have they, UConn hasn't lost in two years. That's right, what it is. Correct. Okay. And Stewie, I think she'd be the first player that can win a championship, national championship, all four of her collegiate years. Wow. And that's insane that's, to me. Awesome. So where, where does she go from there? She like, goes to the Seattle Storm. She'll be the number one draft choice of the WNBA, which I think is in 11 or 10 days. And uh, I have to say, it's a perfect market. It's a perfect market match. I don't know how she feels about it, having had, having had, 
not had that conversation, mm-hmm. but have had spending a lot of time up there with that franchise and having Lauren Jackson just now retiring, who is, I thought, one of the greatest players in the world. And she, she's an Aussie. Stewie going up there is going to be fantastic for the league and also, I think, for her as well. So do you still watch the WNBA all the time? Yeah, that might be really loud, by the way. You sound beautiful. Oh, um, <laughs> we can turn it down for you. Do I, no, no, I want to, this is good. I Do I watch it all the time? Okay. No. But I don't watch anything all the time. You're a little Some busy. Some of the time I watch. Um, so, yeah, I do. What's your favorite sport ever? Basketball. <laughs> making sure. Some people answer that question in crazy ways. Like, yeah. you could say hockey to me, and I wouldn't be surprised. Just because you didn't play it doesn't mean it's not your favorite sport to watch. It would be a surprise to me. I, it would be <laughs> definitely basketball for sure. I have a, it, it, an ongoing lifetime love affair with the game, for sure. How did you get into working in sports, Donna? Oh, what a great question. How did I get working? Well, I was, let's see, I was a professional athlete. I guess that would be my first job in sports. I never yeah. thought of it quite like that, but I played um at the collegiate level, at an elite collegiate level, and uh, one of the top teams in the nation. Our record, we were top 10 four years in a row. We thought we were special. I guess Gino and his girls just blow us away on that one. But it was special. We played in the first women's basketball game ever played at Madison Square, Square Garden. Oh, which as a quick awesome. aside, which as a quick aside is one of also my great joys and thrills for the Rebolt girls mm-hmm. team, right? Because here we are, how many years later, and they win their national championship in that mecca of basketball. So Only like 10 years later. So it's great. But I, uh, I was going to graduate school. I had just finished playing basketball at college. I was very upset because here I was. I hadn't think I didn't think any of us really had reached our peak because it wasn't like today. It wasn't like we started playing basketball when we were eight or seven. It wasn't like we had a lot of games that we had played. Um, and then I got a call one day that said, hey, there's going to be a new women's professional basketball league. Would you like to play? And I'm like, hey, do you like ice cream? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would go to school during, I was in social work school at the time, so I would go to school during the day, do my internship, uh, do my homework in my car outside the practice arena, and then I would practice at night. And I did that for a year, and then I said, well, uh, I think I can always go back to graduate school, but I can't always go back to playing basketball. So it was a two-year degree, so I got half of it. And I still have half of it. <laughs> it's never well, too late to go back. Social working is a tough job. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. You spent some time, Donna, with the WNBA, obviously, and in the, in the PGA Tour. What's your proudest moment from both of those? Oh, there's so many. Because if you look at life every single day, it's funny. Uh, my friend Sherry's here. and uh, Sherry was a Hall of Fame basketball player at Holy Cross. And... Um, we're preparing for Generation W, and I really think a lot about the remarks I want to say. I, I give myself very few minutes in this whole program because it's not about me at all. It's about everybody who's there and the great speakers we bring in. But what I find I, I, I focus a lot on is gratitude. I feel incredibly grateful for so many things. And so every single day there's things to be grateful for. So when you say, what's your proudest moment? Every day there was a proud moment. There were really bad moments, too. But I actually think I try to block them out. Because it's like, what's the purpose in carrying them them forward, right? That energy, right. Um, but at the WNBA, and they're not, it's not like taking your kids to Disneyland. <laughs> it's like it's that moment at night when you catch your kid and they want to talk to you. Like, that's a proud, wonderful moment. It's not because we went on the roller coaster together, although that's not bad. 
And I, I say that as a preface to say there were so many little wonderful proud moments, whether it was a little girl that came up and wanted to talk or a dad who wanted me to talk about, you know, his daughter. Or uh, I really recall about the guys who would come to me and say, I don't want you to change the game. Because there was always so much talk about changing the women's game. And actually, Gino was one of the first ones who called me and said, hey, you know, you should bring the basket down. It should be nine feet and we should be going to, you know, slam and jamming. So those kind of moments. But I do remember one moment. I can't remember which year exactly it was. And uh, the Indiana Fever were in the finals. And they played actually right where the the uh, champion, the NCAA women's are playing tonight. One of my, it was at, the, at the time, it was called the Conseco Fieldhouse. And I loved it. And in, the, in those years, when I first came there, everybody, all they wanted to talk about was how long were you going to be around? How long is this business going to last? When is it going to close? It was incredible. It's hard to build a business when everybody's so preoccupied with whether it's going to be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right? Companies want, they want to invest, but they, won't, they don't want to be the pioneer. They will be the follower, not the leader. And if they think leading has risk, you've got a business proposition that's really tough. So here we are. It's the end of the season. The Indiana Fever there. It was a Sunday night. The Colts played at their their stadium. All the Colts walked down because Indianapolis is such a great little city. Indianapolis, you can walk from one stadium to the other. Cool. The fans went from one to the other. Peyton Manning was in the thing. I went up to the top of the stadium. And I looked around and it was totally sold out. And I looked around. I was really all by myself. And I just remember thinking, this is the promise. This is what it can be. This is what it should be. And for anyone who hasn't seen it or felt it, I wish they could be there right at that moment. It was, it was incredible. And I still remember it to this day. And there, and there have been other, I mean, I remember in Detroit it was like that. Um, Phoenix it was like that. But there was something very special about that place and that time and this feeling of promise because we had come through a really bumpy road and it was all of a sudden kind of settling in. And it was like, yes, there's something real here. There's something real here. So great story. Yeah, that was, gave me chill bumps. <laughs> the um, the PGA Tour, working with them, the Masters is this week. Do you have a choice of who you think's going to be wearing the green jacket on Sunday night? Actually, we've been talking, <laughs> excuse me, talking about that at, my, at our home. You know, my husband's in the golf business still. And I still have lots of strong connections. Um, you know, I would tell you that my all-time favorite is Phil Mickelson. And his game's coming around. He's had a good couple of weeks coming into this. I know he prepares incredibly diligently. <coughs> and I would love to see him, of course, with the green jacket. Jordan's coming along. I think his game's coming, is also coming. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't have a strong p- prediction. I mean, I'm not going out on a limb with those two, obviously. I'm not picking somebody out of the pack. Although, hard to tell. Hard to tell. Yeah, but it'll be fun to watch with all those people in the mix. You know, I think it's really great for golf that they have. You can't, you know, in sports, you would love to be able to hand pick who's going to be your story. You can't, right? It doesn't so work that way. It does yeah, not you don't, work that way. You don't want to be a golf writer. <laughs> it's, because you can't really prepare in advance of who's going to win. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do that, but as as a business, you can't. You can't pick the headlines before they happen, right? But all of a sudden, you have this great cadre of young players, right? You have Ricky, and you have um, Jordan, and you have um, Day. Rory McIlroy. And you have Rory. I mean, it's just really wonderful. Yeah. And they're engaging, and they're winning, and they play off each other, and it's really created a lot of energy behind the game. 
So I think that's great. And I think on the women's side, there's also a lot of energy. I got to play with Lydia Ko last year. And um, unfortunately, she didn't make the cut. And I, to this day, I feel terrible. It's because I think she looked at my swing, and it would just help destroy it. <laughs> I have a feeling that's not it. She I'm still was the player of the year. I was like, thank goodness. Otherwise, I would really have torturous dreams. All right, let's talk about Friday, Generation W. Everyone, if they're interested, can go to gen, genwnow.com. I always want to say Generation W. G-E-N-Now.com. No, I forgot the W. w. GenNowW.com. I'll get it eventually. GenWnow.com. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I, I can't spell it in my head as I'm saying it, apparently, even though I could type it. But anyway, um, tickets are still on sale. They are. It's at the Lazaro Hall at UNF. The Lazaro Theater, yes. Lazaro Theater, yeah, I always say hall. Um, and tell everyone about the program and the speakers that will be there. It's going to be, uh, it's our fifth year. Um, what we pride on ourselves on is presenting a very diverse but unified uh, program of speakers. So we start off with a really surprise opening because the whole day is about education, inspiration, connection, and then we're moved to action. Blythe has been there so she can speak to it. Um, early on, about nine months ago, we thought that women in the military would be an interesting subject. Who knew? How interesting it was if you really start to follow the headlines and know that, you know, Secretary Ash Carter gets on the on television and says, you know what, if women can compete or they have the talent and can fulfill the requirements, they are now officially on the front line. They have been on the front lines. We just haven't really acknowledged it. We have incredible leaders from across the country. We have the number two at the Department of Defense. We have the woman who's in charge of cyber school for the U.S. Army. Um we, ha- oh, we have uh, Admiral Jackson, who's in charge of the Navy Southeast, 18 naval bases. It's going to be a really great discussion, particularly germane to Jacksonville in so much as this city is the third largest home for female veterans. We don't think about them enough. Wow, I didn't know that. And, uh, and they don't necessarily identify in the same way as men do. So once again, yet another area where good, you know, services and opportunities are not as out there and up front, perhaps, as they could or should be. So we're happy to draw attention to that. But I just know that when I am around these women who are in the military, I am like, I'm awestruck. I'm awestruck not only by their commitment to serve, which makes you feel like a total couch potato, um, but their level of integrity and their smarts. It's in, it's in, so I'm really looking forward uh, to that. We have a panel this year called um, Zone Coverage. Could you figure out what that's about? Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Think about zone coverage, right? Zone coverage, you cover areas, but there's big holes. So that's why it's about sports and women in the media. <laughs> because, <laughs> right? Because we've had a phenomenal year of sports performances for women, right? You think about Serena going for the Grand Slam, you know, Ronda Rousey being the most popular UFC fighter. You have Katie Ledecky in the pool. You have other kinds of performances where you have Becky Hammond being selected by Popovich, which, you know, I still think Popovich is the most valuable player here. Because what did he do? He had the confidence. And by the way, he never lacked for confidence, ever. (laughs) But he had, you know, he basically said, listen, I hire on talent. And I've, you know, I've been in their arena. I've been around him and his team. I love Becky. And he basically said, she's good. We should have her. This is what she wants to do. So I think that's a huge. And, of course, that, you know, once again, when I talked, I talked about leadership, a lot of people think they're leaders, but no one wants to be out front and lead. Pop, guess what? He's a military man. 
he led. And then what happened? Puts pressure on and other things happen. So you have the coach in Phoenix, the part-time one for the NFL, and now you have the one for Major League Baseball, and things are opening up. Also, ESPN. I got to give John Skipper a lot, a lot of credit because there are a lot of more voices now. Like, you know what? Being in the studio with you, three women talking sports, how beautiful is that? How wonderful is that? You guys know what you're talking about? You have passion? Fantastic. ESPN had very few women voices, but now if you listen, look at Jessica Mendoza. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love Jess. She's an amazing, amazing woman. And I listened to her opening night. And I'm like, this is so cool. Because what does it do? It trains our ears in a much different way. Like, so when you grow up and all you hear is a certain kind of voice, it manages your expectations, then your culture, your society, your behavior. That's the big thing, rolling this back to sports, that concerns me, is that if you only see certain types of people in certain places, then it really limits our ability to imagine the possible and then make the possible happen. And so as we know, for women's sports, there's a real economic disparity, and a lot of that economic disparity follows the perceived importance um, in terms of the levels of coverage. Donna Orender joining us, genwnow.com. I'm going to get it right. Um, last question for you, Donna, as we are slightly late to break. Um, that was a long answer. I'm what, sorry. No, you are good. <laughs> what brilliant. do you hope is the one thing that people take away from Friday? Uh, what I hope, what I hope is that people will leave the day feeling smarter than they got there inspired. Most people will tell me they feel like they can take on the world. They've got new friends and that they have some ability in their hearts to take a step forward, not only to better their own lives, but those around them. So um, I, you know, not ambitious about this at all, but what moves this labor of love every single day uh, is the desire for people to fulfill their best selves and make our world a better place. Well, I couldn't have I couldn't have even asked a better question for you to end on because that was that was an awesome ending and certainly hope that what you wish and hope and dream for and work for happens on Friday that all the women that attend the Generation W conference are inspired, are given resources with which to move forward because that's to me the key is is you get inspired and then you walk away a lot of times from whatever event it is and then you don't necessarily form connections to other people that continue your inspiration mm-hmm. as time goes by. So hopefully they will also meet other people um, and continue to be inspired on a daily basis. Absolutely. And we're welcoming a lot of men this year as well. Very nice. Our, cool. theme, our theme is we are all Generation W. We can't, you know, we got to do this together. Life is a team sport. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, that was Donna Orender. Ladies, if you are interested, men, if you are interested, go to genwnow.com. Tickets are still on sale. The event is on Friday at Lazaro Theater at University of North Florida. When we come back, we will be joined by Dr. Kaplan of JOI, and we will talk about his life as a doctor and all that fun stuff. You're listening to Helmets and Heels Built by Dream Founders Homes on 10 X only 2.5 FM. And heels built by Dreamfinders Homes, presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Love you, baby.
This song, 5150 by Dirk Bentley, reminds me that I forgot to watch the CMT Awards on Monday night. The ACMs? The ACMs, yeah. They were wait, wait, ACMs on CMT, that's what Oh, it yeah. I know I had the letter CMT in my head. Why would they choose that night? The yeah, night of a was... championship game. No, no it was Sunday, Sunday night. Oh, okay, okay. Sunday I didn't work Monday, so my entire week has been completely off. I thought all yeah, day today was right, Monday. Monday. Yeah. Right, I mean, y'all know why I didn't work. It's not like I was right. playing hooky. We were... You know what ACM kind of sounds like? ACL. Oh, there's a segue. Well played. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That voice is not Donna Orender, but thank you to Donna for joining us. It's also not the voice of Donna Murphy, nor Tyler Devitt, the producer tonight. It is Dr. Kevin Kaplan from JOI, Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, and also the head doctor of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thanks Dr. for Kaplan, me. how are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Is this your Thanks first time on our show? On your show, it is. Yeah, oh. I've been I've been you know working my way up to it. You know, oh. you guys, it, it, it takes a while to get on your show. Right. At so. this point, I need to insert that she has not always been on the show, so it's not <laughs> right. like one of us did not know it was your first time on the show. Fair enough. Just yeah. making sure. Not anything You're defending it's you. me. Thank you. Yes, of okay. course. I yeah. appreciate it. Anytime. All right. <laughs> so as we talked to Frank and Crosstalk earlier, we mentioned about the fact that you were at the combine. You saw probably more knees in that short period of time than you have, I'm guessing. Was that your first combine, right? No, it was my eighth combine. Oh, wow. okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was an assistant for four, I was an assistant for four years, and okay. then this is my fourth year as being the, being the head team doc. So, yes, yeah, my eighth combine. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, the same amount of knees you've seen in the last eight years or so. <laughs> but tell us what that's like. Do you feel rushed? Does it, do you have to kind of slow down and make sure that you're looking at them all in the proper procedure? Roll amount of time. It's an interesting phenomenon. So the combines, you guys probably know, the, the combine really started because it was a medical event. I mean, all the running, jumping, all that NFL stuff kind of came secondary. So the way it works is that we're all in rooms. I mean, we're in the same room every year. It's us, it's the, the Jets, the Titans, the Bengals, and the Chargers. And we're all together every year. Same doctors, huh. same, same tra- athletic trainers. And there's one table in the middle, and there's about five tables in the back. And so they parade these guys in, and they're you know, nothing but spandex and shoes mm-hmm. and their fellows that are in training and they do an initial exam and they bring each up guy up one by one and they present and they say this is i don't know joey bosa he's from you know, Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had this and this injury whatever right. and then every doctor will go up and poke and prod and feel and twist and turn and uh and these guys you know some of them aren't ready for it and they just look like a deer in front of headlights because you know they may have one doctor on the right shoulder one guy on the left leg one guy oh, on the foot wow. and they're just getting you know and, and they kind of laugh because they they get treated like a piece of meat you know and so then you know what we do is we evaluate we grade them and so that way i, I can come back to, to dave galwell and to gus and say you know this guy had this injury this is his risk and all that stuff do you launch insults at the titans doctors when they're performing <laughs> performing there <laughs> throw mayo at them <laughs> no i don't they you know, it's, so it's very collegial. And if I'm up there and I'm examining a knee, you know, the Titans doctors may come up behind me and say, hey, you know, how does his knee feel? And, and I'd be like, it's awful. <laughs> I feel a bunch of guy. crap in there. You don't want this guy. Right. Take it. <laughs> yeah. Or no. for Bosa, I'd be like, oh, he's great. And meanwhile, he's got all sorts of crap. Oh, you don't like Bosa, huh? It's interesting. I hate Ohio State. But that's, oh, that's, uh, fair. that's, that's fair. a conversation for another day. <laughs> fair enough. Wait, I forget you're a Gator. You're a Gator. Yeah. So I'm a Gator fair. fan. Yeah, I met right. Bernard Hargraves today, and you know, all these guys came oh. in today. Yeah, how did that say hello, today? By the way, do you say yeah, hello? Well, that's good. <laughs> sure, he did. I've covered him like his whole career. There you go. So you examined all the players that came into Everbank today as well? Uh, no, just a, just a few, okay. just to kind of recheck some things. You know, okay. a lot of guys come in, or some guys come in the combines with little injuries and little things that you know the management want me to check up on, see how they're doing. So I met you know about half of them, and then half tomorrow because there's another group coming in tomorrow. 
So it's, it's all in preparation. And next week, I actually go back to Indianapolis for the combine recheck. So any guy that had, had surgery that wasn't cleared yet or didn't participate in his pro drills, pro day drills or whatever, will go back to the combine. There's usually about, I don't know, between 30 and 40 guys. And so that'll be the last one. And then we'll obviously we'll meet with Caldwell and the scouts and, and all that stuff before the draft, which is obviously 20, what, 23 days away. So 23 days. So, so outside of the combine, do you have a, I, I guess, a typical day in the office or is it always just ever changing? Uh, yeah. So I have a, um, a full time practice. So usually I'm seeing patients Mondays, Wednesdays and Thursdays, half days, Thursdays. And then I'm in the operating room Tuesdays, Thursday afternoons and Fridays. So during the off season, there's a lot more time in the office. During the regular season, it's uh, it's a completely different schedule. So obviously, you know, I'm traveling with the team, you know, home and away, you know, on the field at the games. And then when we come back, I have an injury clinic. You know, we'll get MRIs the night of the game, whether it's home or away, and because they need to know. It's not like, uh, you know, if I tore my ACL, it would be terrible, but I could still do my job. I could still work. These guys have a timeline. They need to be back. They need to be on the field. So we get MRIs pretty quick to try to figure out what's going on. I do an injury clinic Monday. I do an injury clinic Wednesday. And then another injury clinic on Thursday afternoon, meet with Gus and Dave, and that's when we kind of say, medically speaking, who's in, who's out, and then, you know, and there's a game. So it's a, it's a full-time extra job. Sounds like it. Yeah. Wow. Where are those MRIs taking place? For us or at the Comets? For us, uh, at the Comets, it's, in, it's a whole, they have like 17 MRI trucks, and guys are getting, I mean, we, I think we did 500-something MRIs this oh, year. Oh, wow. Insane. And those trucks, are those temporary? Yeah, they're temporary trucks in okay. Lucas Oil, like in the basement. So when you okay. see all the stuff going on above, we're all like huddled in the basement, you know, okay. and they, these guys are getting, I think the record this year, a guy got eight MRIs, you know, on different body parts. It was, it was insane. Wow. I mean, we was, don't want him, whomever that is. <laughs> That's a, that's a for sure like bad no prognostic offense, indicator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no names to be mentioned. But anyhow, yeah. so yeah, but here, here they're all done at um, a hospital, Baptist uh, Hospital downtown. So they get those done. I have reserve spots. So when we land, if it's whatever, 10 o'clock at night or eight and eight or nine o'clock at night when we get home, I'll send guys right to the hospital, get the MRI. I'll be able to look at it that night and we'll get, you know, instant turnaround. So. So from a road trip, what time are you going to bed? 2 a.m.? Depends. It depends on the injuries. You know, we like the Ooh. games. If the, you know, the NFL is one of those things where there's no such thing as a healthy game. It's not like we ever come out and we're like, whew, yeah, we, you know, <laughs> no injury. Fine. It's just not like that. It's just, it's a rough sport. It's an, you know, it's a brutal sport on the body. So there's always injuries. It's obviously a lot easier on everybody when we're victory, when we have victory yep. and stuff, you know, but, uh, but there's still injuries. And, you know, the next day is talking to the players, talking to the coaches, the medical staff, the, you know, agents. I mean, agents are, it's interesting, that whole phenomenon. It's different than my collegiate and high school athletes when you're just talking to parents, you know, and that's, that's easier. When you're talking to agents and the business of football, it's completely different. So. Well, Dr. Kaplan joins us. He is a doctor at JOI and also the team doctor for the Jaguars. I want to know if you had a goal in mind, like right when you started med school, did you always wanted to want to get into sports medicine? Because I know some people change their mind a few times as they go through school, but was that always your goal? Yeah, so I actually grew up in Jacksonville. Okay. And I broke my ankle when I was 13. Uh, my, my dad told me to walk it off, didn't believe that I was hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so a day and a half later when my ankle blew up, I went to an orthopedic surgeon in Jacksonville, and her name was Dr. Ripley, uh, and she's now retired. She still goes to all the Jaguar games. She sits, like, right near my parents, which is funny. Uh, I wanted to be a physical therapist. That was my goal. And, uh, and I went to college. I was really interested in health sciences and took the anatomy classes. And I came back, and I ran into Dr. Ripley, and I told her what I was interested in. She said, why don't you come watch a knee scope? You may like it. 
So I went with her into surgery, watched the knee scope, and I just loved the idea of being able to see something, fix something. And after that, that was it, straight through. Wow, so she changed your life. She did change my life. That's awesome. So it's interesting. When I get patients, I got referred a patient from her, one of her old patients. She said, oh, yeah, go see Kevin Kaplan. So it's really cool. She's still in town. And, yeah, it's amazing how that kind of transpired and how I went through that, so. With your work, I, I don't want to say that this is a, a favorite moment, but do you have a favorite game as a fan that you've ever been a part of? As a fan, not as a physician? It, not as a physician, because I would imagine yeah. that you wouldn't have a favorite game unless there's no injuries, right? Or, well, you or know, injuries, you know or, my, my, some of my favorite moments are, honestly, is getting guys and seeing them get back on the field for the first time. Um, when Pozlozny got back from his exactly injury. exactly who I was thinking yeah. you were going to say. I mean, he is an unbelievable person, unbelievable player. And and, uh, and so incredibly tough that, you know, it was killing him to sit out. Oh, man. I mean, when he came off and, you know, when we diagnosed the pec there, I mean, that, that was a, a big <sighs> deal for him. Uh, this was two years ago, and not last year. I mean, la- last year just showed his toughness. I mean, you know, having the the injuries that he had and, and basically saying, I'm going to play somehow. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he he's tough as nails. So, but being able to actually see a guy go through that, you know, surgery rehabilitation process and get back and start playing again, that is something I truly That's enjoy. Cool. But awesome. uh, as a fan, I remember being at the Jaguars Falcons game when um, uh, Morton Anderson missed oh, the yes, field goal. Yes, yes. And my brother and I were there. Everybody's leaving. We're sitting in our seats, and my brother and I were so optimistic. Something's gonna happen. Something, and you know, that, so that was that's a, awesome. Very memorable game. So. You might have been yeah. the only Jags fans at that point that were honestly optimistic. <laughs> I mean, everyone was hopeful. I don't know if optimistic would be the word. So a lot of the players that you get to know really well will then up and be traded or released. Mm-hmm. What is that goodbye process like? Do, do they do you stay in touch with them? I do. Okay. I, I do. A lot of guys. I mean, uh, I still t- uh, keep in touch with Cecil Shorts. Uh, talk Yay. to him a lot. Uh, Rasheen Mathis actually lives right across the street from me. Okay. And uh, so I'm the one, you know, I was an assistant then, but I carted him off the field uh, when he tours ACL with us because he didn't have his phone and, you know, we're going off the field. And you can actually, I, I remember seeing the clip of it. You can see him lean up to me and say, can I borrow your phone? Because I want to call his wife. So he took my phone. Oh, wow. And... <laughs> But, uh, you know, those guys, a lot of them keep in touch with you. See, guys, um, there was a guy who actually is the starting center for the Bills now, um, Eric Wood. And uh, he's still a starting center. When he was a rookie, we they played us here, and he broke his leg really bad. And they weren't going to fly him on the plane home. So their physician asked if I could do the surgery and keep him here. And he and I kept in touch. He texted me when he first got back. He sent me a jersey. And, and every time, you know, last time we played them here, he came over to me before the game, and he, he kind of walked up behind me and seen him. He's huge. Walked and I'm, he's a I'm, sinner. I'm not that tall. Yeah, he's huge. So he, I just see this shadow come over me, and I turn around. I'm like, oh, Eric. He's like, Doc. He's like, I don't know how I feel about playing in this game. You know, I haven't walked on this field since I broke my leg. And sure. if you Google that injury, I mean, it was it was a kind of a joke. Ooh, I'm not going to. Yeah. yeah was, nope. So you keep in touch. I mean, you know, most of the players, I think, if you treat them right and, and treat them with respect, I mean, they're they're this is their way of making a living mm-hmm. so you got to take it seriously and and uh you know treat every guy obviously we're physicians first i'm a huge jaguar fan but we're physicians first yep and i think players you know i, I hope that players respect that and so when they leave you know you, you keep in touch with them so and that's what i figured because they have to put so much faith in you yeah yep. yep that's, oh, that's very cool true. who sorry but oh, no. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> who's the biggest baby on the team well, not a chance of he answering that. <laughs> I know, but I have oh, to ask. Man. Come on. <laughs> there are no babies there. on the team. Yes, no. there are. There are no babies there on the team. Are. That is an unbelievable, brutal question. <laughs> <laughs> what about the, the, the ability for someone to, to say, like, the, you know, the, they talk about mind over matter. How many times do you see that in your work where you... N- 
where I guess you know that they probably shouldn't be out there, but the fact that they have almost like willed themselves to want to play. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a big separation. Again, you know, we have to be physicians first. So in terms of safety risk profile and then the management, you know, Dave Caldwell and Gus and Shaw, they, they put a lot of trust in what we you know, say medically. So we have to be really careful in terms of what is risky and what is not. What, what Where can we toe the line? I think the culture that they've built in Jacksonville now there are very few, if any, players that, you know, will not want to be in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, I think in the old school ways, some guys would, you know, pull up or I don't know. I mean, I haven't been around that. You know, the guys that I've gotten to know here, it's we got to hold them back, you know, more often than not. Right. So you got to separate yourself from that as well. If a guy has a significant injury, you got to say, look, this isn't safe. This is a risk and, and then pull them out. But, you know, there's certain things that you can play through and that, that, that a lot of these guys will try to play through. And that's a big part of it. And, you know, we don't use medications and pain meds and yada, yada. You can't do that stuff. And, you know, and, and I know in the old, old school days, maybe that did happen. Who knows? But now Give him a shot. Walk it off. Spray right? some Windex on it. You get back in the game. You'll be fine. No. Wait, I think Robitussin. that was my big fat Greek wedding. Yes, it was. Yeah. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I love that movie. <laughs> Dr. Kevin Kaplan has joined us this segment. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been fascinating to kind of take a look inside what happens on the doctor's side of, yeah. of everything. Everything. And I think one thing for people to take away is, is really, truly how much trust the players have to put in you. And also, I would say on your end, that you have to trust that they're telling you the truth, other than maybe concussions, which are immediately diagnosed. But everything else, you know, it's kind of, are they really telling you how much pain they're in? Or, or can you kind of read that they're lying to you and all that fun stuff? <laughs> Not really fun stuff, but stuff that really does need to be managed on a game-to-game basis. No so doubt. I don't envy you. Um, <laughs> but I think that what you do is fantastic. Thank you. And uh, we really appreciate you joining us. Absolutely, we do. And uh, now, ladies, we have some hot topics to give away, well, to talk about, and also a Peter Brook Chocolate Heel yes, to give do. away. So we will come back with that next. Joseph and Helmets and Heels, built by Dream Hunters Homes on 1010 2.5 FM. Helmets and Heels, built by DreamFinders Homes. Presented by Underwood Jewelers and American Window Products. On 1010XL, 92.5 FM. I cannot believe the show is coming to a close. We have so much to get to still. If you haven't answered our Twitter poll, please do so. If your sibling, if you made a big shot on your sibling, would you cheer obnoxiously, rub it in tomorrow, or be respectful? Something along those lines, right, Blythe? It's either console them, cheer obnoxiously, or rub it in tomorrow. And 54% say they would cheer obnoxiously. Yeah. 38% said they would rub it in tomorrow. And 8% said they would console them. All right. Everybody's, everybody's cheering obnoxiously. I like it. That's what sports and competition's all about. That's not what it's all about. Um, no. But I can understand feeling that way. And uh, remember to text into the 1010XL text line driven by Duval Ford. If you won $10 million, what would be the one thing that you purchased? Now, keep in mind... You don't want to spend most of that $10 million if you are along the lines of Brant Snedeker because he only spent, and I'm not going to do the math of what, like, 4000 is divided by $10 million, But, yeah, he only spent probably, like, 0.04% or whatever that would have He probably has a little bit more in the bank account, too. Probably a little more. Okay, we have someone completely sucking up and trying to win this, uh, this uh, what is it, a Peterbrook heel? A yeah, heel? yeah, we like people who are brown nosers around here. And uh, they, they responded, if they, what was it, a $10 million check, yep. you said? They said, yep. if they had $10 million bucks, they would buy a Peterbrook franchise. 
Um, then you know what? I think they deserve a Peter Brook chocolate heel for that answer. Sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> well, Come played, on, we're though. just but, playing their game. But we here's the thing: no, because her. the person's right. Peter Brook chocolate does such a fantastic right. job. They are so great that you cannot walk in one of those stores without buying something, whether yeah. it's chocolate covered popcorn, whether it's ice cream, whether it's the chocolate covered Oreos. The list goes on. The graham crackers. The though. graham crackers. Mm-hmm. Right. The chocolate covered potato chips. I mean, come on. Salty and sweet. Come on is right. Um, so speaking of checks, right before we get to our master's picks, speaking of checks, <laughs> a football player recently found a check that was worth, and the story's surmising that it's actually worth 138000 He just says found a check while moving, and I forget his name at the moment. Um, but he finds this check, uh, seeing if I had it in front of me. Nope. Um, but it's an Atlanta Falcons, um, player. Thank yep. you. I was going to say it has something to do with like a spoon. <laughs> Silver spoon. Get it? That's what I had in my head. Yeah. Um, so Sean Witherspoon finds a check, uh, and $138,000. That's what, that's what the story surmising that it is because of, he just says a check and they're doing the math of what he made in the regular season divided by 16 games. Um, so either way, though, no matter how much he made, if you if your guy found that check and he hadn't cashed it or deposited, well, the girlfriend the found it. Correct. That's while they were moving. Yeah. So yeah, if you found that your guy though hadn't deposited the check, that much money. Granted, you have a lot of money, but still, wouldn't you be mad? I, don't they have um, direct deposit? They do, and all his other checks were direct deposit. It was just you receive your first check, I guess, as a hard copy. So okay, his okay. first that check is sense. the one that, yeah, he didn't actually do anything. Vacation. I mean, <laughs> is, you it, be mad. is it too late? No. Because sometimes, and I don't know how this no, works. No, that, that is NFL. true. Yeah, like if I give you a check, Lauren, and you don't cash it in a certain amount of 90 time. 90 days usually. Right. Then it's done. When I say no, I mean, it's not like he can go back to the Falcons and be like, hey, I didn't cash this. I need. It's not like the, the company dissipated. Right. That's what I meant by no, it's not too late. Like the check itself, yes, but where it came from. Well, I understand that. Still- that is so funny, though, because wouldn't you think that your first check is the most important and you'd be racing to the bank to deposit it? Like that's your first check. In fact, I read a story about a player who like wanted to frame their first check and Someone on the team was like, dude, like, you have to cash. <laughs> you can't just Oh, frame. my gosh. So that's the, I mean, yeah. you can frame the receipt of the deposit if you want or, like, take a picture of it. But that thing, you got to you gotta cash that thing. Well, and nowadays, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you should just, you know, direct deposit it from your mobile phone. You can right. do that. But I don't think you can cash checks over a certain amount. Um, I think yeah, sure it's a little bit of a limit. I'm yeah. sure the amount changes per bank, but I'm pretty sure my bank's not going <laughs> yeah, to. I was going to say, I do that all the time. <laughs> My checks are not anywhere close to that. I want to say it's a $5,000 limit. I want to say if I remember correctly. And so, yeah, none of mine come anywhere near there (laughs) that I am not getting direct deposited. But um, all right. So, ladies, it's the Masters Week. We've made it all show. We haven't gotten to talk about it yet. Um, Quick, interesting story that I learned over the weekend is that the Masters employs about 500 high school kids. And all they do is pick up litter. They're the litter patrol. Oh, but here's I love the, that. Here's the interesting part. They get a jumpsuit, just like the caddies do, except theirs is yellow. Oh, that's cute. Unlike the caddies are white. They also get a hat. I assume the hat's yellow. Um, 
Although wait, with the Masters logos yellow, so maybe, maybe green, hat. white, or something. Yeah, maybe white. Who knows? That's not the point. The point is that they get offered a lot of money for those specific hats while the tournament is going on, so they can sell the hat before their shift is over and get fired and never obviously able to come back. Or they can work the entire shift and then, you know, just earn all their money and, and be in good graces. But I just found that so interesting to think of like a 16 year old kid being faced with the dilemma of, do I take the $500 and run? Or do I do the responsible thing, with, which is like finish the shift? I don't know why those hats are so valuable other than, you know, they don't make them for anyone else other than these specific kids. So hmm. it's an interesting thing. I never knew that about the huh. Masters. And uh, my friend that told me said, if you watch intently this week, you will see them in the background walking around picking up trash. Uh-huh. And I was like, there's no way. I feel like those camera people are like, oh, got to move, got to move. Yep. Can't get the hired help in there. Because oh. that, that's very Masters. Exactly. Yeah. A, a friend of mine told me a story about how he was there and he saw a guy that was sitting down watching and his flip-flop fell off and it was probably 30 seconds that that the flip-flop was off tops and an attendant ran over and told and not ran because or not run because you can't run at the masters you have to do the master's walk so he briskly walks over to him and tells him immediately put your flip-flop back on because they don't want that sort of uh, i guess perception on live tv well, yeah, his feet were probably gross. I'm just kidding. But still, like, it was only no, off sure. his foot for, like, it, he said it just flicked off, like, just for a minute. And that's that, that's how quick they were to address it. Wow. It's pretty impressive. I feel like I would want to kick my feet off and not get a shoe tan. Like or at I least put your feet on the grass, like, yeah. a gust of grass. <laughs> a gust of grass. I'm putting my yeah. feet on it. I don't care if I get yelled at or not. Um, I right, will so let's say yeah. that yesterday, when we were at the Guggen Open, the ninth annual Guggen Open and um, going through the course, it got me really excited for golf just because. So last year when I started, my first week here was the Players Championship. Yep. I remember. And I was basically a golf newbie, I would say. Not that I'm a pro now by any means, but I had to be taught a lot of things. And so I've learned a lot and my year is coming up. Because the players is coming up. So I'm excited to pay attention and to watch golf this year. I'm ready. Do you know what your assignments will be during the players this year? Nope. I assume similar or the same as last year. Um, crap. I can't even think. What's what's that area we were at? The Perch. Love that place. The Perch. Perch. It's a great place. <laughs> <laughs> I the just sat there with the... my fanny pack. Exactly. I did not have a fanny pack. Um, I had a fanny pack in the mic, and I'd say, excuse me, um, Mr. McElroy, can I talk to you for a minute? Um, which is close to the truth. We actually go know, through the PGA Tour people to talk to them. But that's not true at all. Regardless. Unless you just accidentally bump into, say, Adam Scott, which happened to me last year. And that's I exciting. I wash my shoulder for a week. That's a total lie, but I shouldn't oh my have washed. Gosh. Yeah. Um, you should have smelled it immediately like our <laughs> oh, that's, from last Yes, missed opportunity. Jersey. Um, all right. So we've gone an hour and 48 minutes into the show, and we haven't made Masters picks. So, ladies, okay. I'm intrigued to hear who your selections are. Amanda, we're going to start with you. <laughs> I have this really great feeling for some reason. About Phil Mickelson. Hello, friends. Did Donna Orander influence you? No, she actually didn't. 
No, um, I think Brent Martineau influenced her because Brent Martineau joined their show from Augusta earlier and rattled off all the stats of Phil Mickelson. Yep. And he has something ridiculous, like 10 top fives there in addition uh-huh. to his three green mm-hmm. jackets and more top 10. He does seem to play better there. So I'm pretty sure Amanda went straight off of Brent's report. Um, I did some research. And uh, Brent may or may not have influenced my decision. Okay. But um, I'm going with Phil Mickelson. Would you say Phil Mickelson plays golf with his right hand or his left hand, Amanda? Do not. Oh, <laughs> you have to know this. No, why would I know this? Why? Same. All right. She did no research. Blind or going to you. He's left-handed, folks. Uh, Ricky Fowler. Uh, he had a great year last year. A lot of people called him overrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and he answered that within, I think, a week of being called overrated. And he won the Players' Championship and one of the best players that I've ever seen, ever witnessed. Um, so I'm going to go with him because that was he had a, a big breakout year last year. And I think he, he's one of those young golfers that are up and coming. And he, they always talk about how, well, if Tiger's not playing in the tournament, then it, it, it just won't get the ratings. But I, I, I sort of disagree with a lot of these young golfers that are coming up. I, I think that it has a bright future without Tiger, even though I love Tiger. Yeah, I don't love Tiger. Um, I thought about Ricky Fowler. Did not think about the lefty. Um, and then I went back and forth between Jason Day and Adam Scott, like literally around and around and around. And I'm going to go with Adam Scott. Um, he's won it before. He's won it in 2013. I think the year that he won, he just had this smoothness about him. He's well rested right now. And so I'm going with Adam Scott, the Aussie. And um, if Jason Day wins the other Aussie, I'm just going <laughs> to cry. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Are you yeah, just on excited. these picks or We're, what? Oh, and, um, and I have to tell you who Murph's pick is. Rory McIlroy. She says she doesn't like him, but he's good. So <laughs> I Donna love that Murphy's we all in for Rory. Players. Well, I had a backup in case anyone picked my first one okay. or reverse if anyone yeah. picked my other one. Um, because I know that you know, it, we don't, we can't be together. That would right. be way too um, sweet of a competition. We have to be. Rory has a great new Nike, Nike golf commercial, I believe, is 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 who the company that represents him. But it's a new commercial that's out, and it talks about the grind, the everyday grind, and the alarm goes off every single morning at you know five thirty in the morning, and he gets up and he trains and he works hard. And I think that 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 sort of I I don't know stuff like that motivates me because golf. Before Tiger wasn't really thought of as sort of a, a fitness-oriented sport where you right. had to train and, and had to, to. It was clean. thought of as a mental sport, right? Yeah. Um, but that sort of changed, and I think that Rory's on the verge of, of upgrading that and sort of challenging the rest of the golfers out there that it, you, you want to be fit whenever you play this game. Yeah. Well, I, and then I think if you look across the board, there's really no one in the top 25 nowadays who's anything other than fit. Maybe like if you looked at a Patrick Reed or something, and no offense to him, but he's just not like the fittest not guy. John Daly. Yeah, not at all like him. Um, just a quick update. It was 11 to 2. It's now 11 to 4 in the UConn Syracuse Women's National Championship basketball game. Uh, we are going to say hello to the show that I have dubbed TNA. That is coming up next as Tyler Devitt, who's been a fantastic producer for us, as well as Andrew Gibson. Join us in studio next. You've been listening to Helmets and Heels built by Dreamfinders Homes on 10 to next on only 2.5 FM. Thanks for checking out the podcast for Helmets and Heels. As a friendly reminder, you can always check out the latest on our Twitter feed at Helmets and Heels or on our website at guysgirl.com backslash Helmets and Heels.